Hey everybody, welcome back. It's the Smart Party. We've been away for a couple of weeks. We've been doing holidays, we've been doing gaming, we've been doing, well, lots of different stuff. But now we're back on the airwaves. We're chatting and it's quickfire week. Hello, Gaz. Hello, Baz. How are you doing? I think I'm all right, mate. I think I'm okay. I think I've got like a, a, I'm backed up on like loads and loads of topics for us to discuss. So (laughs) I'm thinking about squeezing them out, pop a point like, stick one little pencil in the end and see what comes out the front. I would hurt to think of you being there all backed up for an hour, so we need that, to pass one out. That would be bad, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need, I need some gaming motion. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought what we do is um, uh, we, we get some really good response from some of our, uh, from both of our listeners recently, have uh, mentioned that they've, they've been enjoying some of our top 10 shenanigans. So that's good. And, and, and we like lists, don't we? So, um, Love them. So, yeah, so we've got a bit of a, a, a totally random... Uh, gaming topics in a barrel we're going to stab them with our javelins of lightning and see what nice. fish comes out on the end of it <laughs> I see this is all because I'm thinking because you've been on holiday you've been like somewhere really sunny and I just imagine you like scubaing around all the time looking like James Bond in the 60s that's not very if, far from the truth is it? That's it's pretty close if I did look like James Bond in the 60s I'd be pretty happy but <laughs> it's more like James Bond when he's 60 that's kind of how I look now <laughs> <laughs> so it, hopefully you've been sitting on a sun lounger with a big pile of PDFs. Is that is that that's probably not even possible? A big pile of PDFs sitting beside you with a tequila sunrise and um, and a little notebook where you've been like penning missives to yourself so that you can uh, have loads of good gaming action back in Blighty, right? You, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? No, not really. No, you know, <laughs> no. The up pill bar got in the way of that, but um, yeah, I've done a little bit of reading as well. I took some books with me. So I've been uh, dipping in and out, but you know what it's like when you're in the hot and the sun and you've been drinking. You just uh, you just skim through things. So I've not done any in-depth analysis, but I've got uh, lots of ideas now. I've been led about and just had nothing to do but think and drink. Thinking and drinking. <laughs> the motto for this show. It should be. Okay, right. Well, um, okay. I've got five random things to catch up with you and and our listener about. So uh, so shall I, I'll get started? Shall I? So um, let's do it. Uh, in with a bullet at number five. Oh, I really want to play Mutant U Zero. Mutant Year Zero, post-apocalyptic Why? stuff, straight out of Sweden. Oh, where, right, hang on. Yeah, where everything's coming from. They've been producing some good stuff, haven't they? They've got well, that one coming up that's like uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. But not really, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, that one is Tales from the Loop. That's in Kickstarter, or out of Kickstarter now. I think they're just like, yeah, well, so we're in that period where the Kickstarter ends and then like civilizations rise and fall and then books get delivered. <laughs> and eventually a book may appear. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was probably planned in the 80s. That's why it looked like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not retro at all. It's just delayed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, right, Mutant Year Zero, speaking of the 80s, apparently th- this, this game started back in the 80s. Uh, who knew, well, all the Swedes knew, that Sweden had <laughs> such a, a burgeoning RPG thing. And, and I think, uh, I guess, a bit like the UK, uh, role-playing all gets kicked off in America and then other territories around the world get wind of D&D and then spend 20 years doing homegrown stuff. And we ended up with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and Golden Heroes and stuff like that. And I think Sweden went off and did their thing and Germany did their thing. And um, and a bunch of this Swedish stuff is now getting sort of brought over, translated, updated, what have you. And it, and it just seems like they're a powerhouse of publishing right now because I can't, I can't turn on the internet without seeing stuff about Swedish games. Um, and I picked up a Mutant 
mutant, I can't even say it, God, mutant year zero on the basis that I haven't got enough good post-apocalyptic games and I'm always on the hunt. And this one pressed a few decent buttons with me. It looks kind of tradish. It's a good looking book. It's nice and chunky, but not too full of stuff. So you can build your own setting. Um, lots of exploration stuff in there. And it, it just seemed to sync up with the kind of post-apocalyptic books and films and comics that I liked. So early, early days, but I was sold on some of the free preview stuff you can get from drive-through. You can get quite a chunky preview, actually, so about 50 pages um, right. all for nothing. Um, and a bunch. And you can see the character sheets, which is still remains for me the at-a-glance view of whether a game is going to be any cop or not. Um, and they look good. Yeah. I've just um yeah, I just sort of Googled it then now you've mentioned it and the although it's only got a little thumbnail of the character sheet, it looks a little bit like a Savage Worlds character sheet. It does. Yeah. Is it, it is does. it a similar sort of thing? Is that what we're saying? I mean the pictures are a lot good of the, the front covers, they seem to have a bunch of books and or gem screens and stuff already. Yeah, there's plenty of kit there because it's been knocking around for donkey's years, so they're just um uh, revising, tarting, rewriting. They've got just a massive back catalogue to choose the greatest hits from. Um, yeah, the characters do look a bit savage worlds. That sort of level of complexity, I would suggest. And, okay. and this is with, without me having played it yet. Um, it's also got, uh, and this was just, you know, take my money. It's got special dice, mate. It's got yeah. dice where you need to have little gamma symbols instead of sixes. Yeah, and there's equipment dice and there's decks of cards. And oh, dear. Yeah, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> So do you, do you ever handle it and what makes it different than all the other apocalyptic games that are out there? I don't think it is very different and that's what I quite liked about it. It seems right. almost generic and that's quite a hard thing to get these days outside of completely generic like toolbox games like your Savages or, or a Cypher system, something like that. It, it does seem to be like it's your apocalypse um, and it's got all of the, the tropes that you would imagine if you said to your buddies down the pub, like, uh, here's a beer mat, let's write on the back of it all the things we know about post-apocalyptic stuff. And you start writing down the things you know from Mad Max um, or from The Road or from that kind of stuff, or I Am Legend. It just seems a lot like that. And that's kind of what I want to get. I don't mm. need, I don't really want something that's um, that's so thematic that I have to do 250 pages of research in order to launch a game and then try and bring everybody up to speed, I mm. think it's gonna. Yeah. I think it's gonna be the closest thing you can get to Fallout, and I'm no expert on that. And but that seems to be the sort of thing I can pitch to my video game savvy players and go, "It's quite like Fallout. Shall we play?" Um, yeah. And, that, and and on that basis alone, that's probably a win for me because I, I'm kind of too old now to buy games just for the sake of it. I kind of need to have like a chance that it's going to get played, so I need to be able to pitch it. And I think you can with this. Yeah, fair enough. Now I've got um, we've got the Seven Hills role playing convention coming up in three or four weeks, uh, and one of the games I'm doing for that is a uh, Hell on Earth, which is the sort of post apocalyptic thing for Savage Worlds, uh, which is fine. But uh, I found myself more writing for the purposes of a post apocalyptic game rather than the specific Hell on Earth background or what makes it Hell on Earth, if you know what I mean. Uh, okay. Uh, I think I don't know. Maybe if it was a campaign, it'd be different. But I think for one offs, you kind of just want to get those, like you said, the flavors of the the sort of genre that you're talking about and mm. have you know stop signs for axes and all that kind of thing people wearing mismatched armour and scavenging about a bit and you know gas guzzling machines and all that kind of stuff but yeah I think hitting the big buttons of what this thing's about is uh, 
definitely a way of getting people involved and it's quite sexy in terms of gaming mm. yeah absolutely so that so that's that's my first pick mate I, I think that, that well who knows if we do this again in a couple of months it might have dropped out of the top five it's just in as a new entry <laughs> so, <laughs> so what you got mate what's on your list uh, well one of the things on my list actually is uh, not a specific game but uh, just the theme of trying new games I'm sort of getting my uh, my appetite whetted for that again there's lots of people talking about things like uh, the new 7C that came out mm. or you just mentioned Music Year Zero which has instantly got me you know, interested I'll probably go away after this and buy a PDF and go and have a look and that sort of stuff and there's mm. lots of people that are trying all kinds of new games including things about um, Melancholy Kaiju or all kinds of weird and wonderful things that's another game that's on at Seven Hills uh, God knows what that will be like but I know that it's already booked out like you can pre-book one game per per player basically when you sign up for the convention and it's sold out immediately it's not the sort of thing I'll put first on my list but there's definitely I think an appetite out there for new things and I'm, I'm definitely feeling it I think it might be because it's the sort of start of convention season there's quite a few over the summer and that sort of time um, but what, I'm, what I've missed from a lot of conventions recently has been a lack of new things to try there have been a lot of mm. games that are the staples of you know there's always D&D there's always Cthulhu there's always someone playing one of the Apocalypse World games etc 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 so I really like the idea of picking up new and different things not necessarily new but certainly different that don't get that see the light of day much and seeing them out there more and probably running some myself I think in future because one of the things or comments I saw recently on, on the internet was about oh I don't see this game run much at the uh, convention so is it no good and it's like mm. well just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean to say that no one's playing it or the game's not good it just means that no one's offered to run it uh, for whatever reason maybe they don't think it'll be popular or they don't know if anyone else likes it or they haven't had time to learn it properly or whatever it is but I, I think one of the things that I'm interested in and I'd like to encourage our, our listeners both of them to get involved in is uh, starting to supply some new games at conventions and events and get some of the things that are outside of the, the main tranche of gaming uh, and just give them a bit of an airing and see if we can get a bit more variety and, and interest out there in, in all the different stuff that there's available because mm. quite often it's, you know, there's interesting kickstarters and new games in that sense and people play online but people actually bring in those games physically to events and seeing them in the wild I think it's not quite happening as much as I'd like what yeah I feel that yeah yeah um, there's there's a thing where where people people get very excited about stuff in the community um, usually when a Kickstarter's launched or a Kickstarter's getting delivered um, and I, I definitely get a sense that you, you hear more about the hype than you do about the gameplay with some things yeah. and that's that. I was I'm guilty of that as anybody, to be honest. I've got a big pile of Kickstarter things or books that I've just bought because it was in a bag of holding or um, or just on some sale or just because someone mentioned it and said, does anybody know anything about this game? And I thought, well, I'll try and find out. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. mean they're necessarily getting run all the time. I do tend to fall back to sort of the standards when it comes to like writing games or playing games. But um, there is definitely a sense that unless people are talking about it it's not getting played and I've never really bought that I don't think that's ever really been the case I think arguably people who are busy playing stuff probably too busy to talk about it because not everybody wants to blog about every little experience or get on Twitter and post photos of their handmade GM screen I, I definitely have a feeling people are just busy playing what they're playing I've no real idea um, <laughs> but you look at convention lists to, to your point I think that's a decent snapshot of kind of what's hot right now um, and 
there are definitely some games where you think, well, where is that then? I think you were alluding to Seventh Sea Second Edition, which was a yeah. massive, massive launch. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think I've seen much uh, in the way of people saying, "Who wants to play a game? I've got this book. I'm desperate to run it." And and you see that off almost everything else. So yeah, that that's a weird one, mate. I think I think it it might be a good plan, even if it's just a personal one. If you're going up to a con to like. Do your normal stuff. Do your bankers. Your, your stuff you know is going to guarantee you a good time. But yeah, why not try trying out something a little bit newer? Because um, it won't hurt. I'm, I'm trying some new games myself this month. I'm playing... What am I playing? Uh, Dread, the Jenga block one. Never got around to playing that. I've got someone right. on that for me. So that'll be good. And Dead Man's Hand, which is ultra light uh, Wild West game. Um, that uses poker hands and it, and it really is ultra light it's like two pages of rules but you know some fellow I know stepped up and said like I fancy giving this a shot it's three hours of your life you know what could happen and that's going to be new so yeah it, it, who knows maybe it'll be the greatest game I've never played I won't know till it ever go <laughs> but it is yeah <laughs> well, yeah pro- well probably not <laughs> but you might have fun for three hours who knows yeah no good stuff uh, yeah, so okay. that's me. Tr- want to try new stuff. So anybody out there who's, who's a bit tentative about it is going to the UK convention or maybe one of the European ones that I'll be at. If you've got something a little bit off-piste, uh, feel free to give it a go. I'm sure there's people out here like me and Baz who are dying to play something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, although, having said that, my number four is I want to play old stuff. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, variety, you know. Can't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well... It's, it's not old stuff if you've never played it before, right? So it, it's been published a while back, but if you've never actually had a proper go at it, does it really count as old stuff? It's all getting a bit zen there. Um, but uh, I, I look at my shelves sometimes, and they're, they're bowing under the weight of, of, of too many books. Um, and a great many of them, I don't know what it was that made me put it back on the shelf. I don't think that it was bad. I don't think it was rubbish. I think its time just wasn't right. And that meant, could have meant um, probably that my playgroup wasn't really into the idea of it at that point or we were mid-campaign on something else and I'm constantly collecting stuff thinking you know when I get free time that's the game I'm going to play or this one's potentially for the future but but then you look around and like a couple of years have gone past and you think well I never did get to play it Hmm. so the one I've got my eye on is Marvel Heroic which is is kind of infamous now because it was published by Margaret Weiss Productions, I want to say. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not overly enthusiastic now. No. Uh, but it was... Um, it Well, Marvel have had so many goes, or I should say the role-playing industry have had so many goes at doing a Marvel game. I've probably got half a dozen of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't played any of them, I should point out. So I don't know really what, what I thought would be so different with this one. But it is different. Um, and it got loads and loads and loads of really high colour glossy launch and support from the off but within what felt like just a few months uh, Marvel pulled the pulled the plug on the whole adventure oh, I remember this now so yeah, yeah. that's it so loads of good stuff came out including the whole of the Civil War epic and all of this has now been superseded a little bit by the Marvel Cinematic Universe you can't move for superhero, superhero movies I'm not sure that was the case a couple of years back. It was really just getting started, but I'm sure nobody knew it was going to be such a big deal. Um, and they did all the Civil War stuff, and then they did some stuff for uh, some cosmic stuff too, but that never really got launched. But anyway, I've got it all. I read it at the time. I was really intrigued by it. I know a lot of people started playing it because it's a Cortex Plus system, 
which is a kind of a gnarly little system that's really got its fans. There's a few different variants of it, but never got a game off the ground. And given that I love Marvel Heroes and I love role playing, and I think this is one of the best shots at it, and I stand to be corrected by actually playing the game and finding out. Mm. I don't really know why I didn't get it played. And I think a bit like the thing I was talking about before with Mutant U Zero, it's such an easy pitch now, easier than ever. It wasn't hard in the first place saying, like, do you want to be Spider-Man? Do you want to be Wolverine? But now it's since we've had Age of Avengers and we've had all of the Doctor Strange stuff recently and all the X-Men movies, it's an even easier pitch. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I kind of wanted to dust it off the old hard drive Blow, blow the dust off of it and um, see what happens. So, yeah, I want to play some of that. Now, is it is that the one that has the good initiative system in inverted commas? <laughs> where, where, where I think it is. I don't think I've tried it very much, but I'm sure I make Pete like it. He likes superheroes anyway. Yeah, he does. He gets yeah. to play Captain America. He's happy. Uh, but I think he likes it. And one of the good things about it is the system that he's implanted elsewhere uh, where when you've been, you basically get to pick who goes next, which could be right. one of your team or one of their team. Um, so if you pick all your guys to go first, it means they'll all go last, and then they can potentially just go straight again the next round because it's their pick, and they pick bad guys again. So there's this uh, interesting dynamic where you can pick your enemies to have a go before your friend or that kind of thing, depending on how you think it's all going to shake out. Yeah, it, uh, that's where it came from, mate. Um, you're, you're bang on, and it was one of those ones that instantly got ported into loads of other games, and you'll see it in, in dozens of games now. It's kind of like advantage disadvantage in fifth edition. It feels like it was so right that it had been around for donkey's years. Yeah. Um, who knew there would be new tech to be found within Roll for Initiative? But it turns out <laughs> there was. <laughs> but it did, and it was really clever because it lets you do fastball specials, which is a thing that happens in the comic, which is Colossus chucking Wolverine at bad guys. Yeah. That's really difficult to do with a standard initiative system. It, yeah, yeah. it means delaying and readying and this, that, and the other, and. It's, it's more hassle than it's worth but it's it's a really cool scene in a comic and, and now it's trivially easy so yeah it, it, you know it, it, the game's got loads of pros and cons mate and go online and, and I've read all the pros and cons and I just want to try it for myself really I know that people get grumpy about you've got to play Marvel heroes um, and you can't easily roll up your own well it's called Marvel heroic role playing I'm quite happy to <laughs> quite happy to play Marvel characters really <laughs> <laughs> do, do you not want to play like uh, you know DC ones that does aren't they well better? yeah <laughs> no let's not do that that's a couple of podcasts <laughs> <laughs> I want the scarecrow as a bad guy no wait that's right um, no you don't no just a bunch of people from the loony bin is not super villainy anyway, anyway uh, that's so, a different podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's other stuff it doesn't do so I don't think it gives you much in the way of rule support for outside of combat but you know again the ad role playing game written on a cover I'm happy to role play through bits you know that's alright too um, yeah. so yeah um, I would like to give it a go it, it falls in the camp uh, as, as a lot of the games do these days of um I kind of feel like I need to get an expert GM to take me through a couple of sessions. I seem to say yeah. that to you a lot, and you say mm. it to me a lot because it isn't it isn't so trad that you're just like um, I don't know you're just you're leaning back on your old time wisdom of BRP or D twenty or whatever and just enjoying the setting. It's not that at all. We know the setting, but the rules mm. are kind of uh, not your granddad's role playing game, and I, and I kind of need someone to show me how it works. Yeah, that is a thing. I'd like to create a group of expert gems who know about our game or our set of games who can then provide games to others. 
I did float the idea at one point online. It got some interest, but not enough to really make it worth doing. But I think you're right, and that still that falls back down to the the heady days of Gencon at uh, Loughborough and that kind of day when we went to mm. play a game thinking we'll we'll find out how deadlines works now. And the guy running it's like, oh, I read this on the train on the way up, and I missed half the chapters out. You're like, well, that's not that's not what I want. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you also to show you a game, you kind of want them to know what the game does because yeah. otherwise, you know, I can read it myself and give it half a go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's finding time and people and uh, desire and all, isn't it? But yeah, there's yeah. loads of games like that though. We but this happens a lot now. I think since there's there's still a few generic games out there, but some of the really interesting ones have got their own their own little good system, and um, it, it seems to be going back a little bit to every game's got to have its own system, which they can then call a core, and other people can riff off of. Mm. But they're all they're all not, they're not. It's not that they're difficult. It's not even that they're fiddly. It's just that I don't want to learn at the same time as my players. I want to be able to run a, a pretty crisp game rather than just like um, hacking around with it, trying to learn mm. the ropes. So yes, yeah, I, demoing uh, is a real skill, and I think conventions uh, certainly always used to be a place where you could uh, reliably get demos. Um, uh, I hope that's still true. But I know that you and I have struggled to find people to to pick up a game and. Maybe maybe it's intimidating the fact that people think they're having to like display it. Um, yeah, but I'd, I'd, I'd love I'd love it to be. I'd love people to step up more and say like, "This is my favourite game. Who wants to play it?" Because I guarantee they'll get me coming along to say yes, please. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. All good then. Um, well, you mentioned Civil War, and I think we 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 chatted very briefly about this online at one point. But um, when you say things like Civil War and uh, superheroes. The first thing that jumps into my head is playing superheroes during the American Civil War. Weirdo. I'm, I'm aware there's some kind of all the comic geeks out there screaming at their microphones or headphones now, saying, "No, what are you doing? What are you talking about?" I want to explain to me in great detail why the Marvel Civil War is better. But for me, a, a much more interesting thing. <laughs> I don't think they would. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> better than the Civil War. <laughs> For what? I, I know some people who <laughs> definitely would. <laughs> English Civil War, now you're talking. Roundheads, Cavaliers, come on, let's go. <laughs> and there is a game out there for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I like I like Godlike, uh, which is the game of superhero role-playing in World War Two, mainly because it's not that much about the superheroes and more about World War Two, which is more where my interest lies. But... Um, I do fancy some more of that kind of alt history stuff. So it doesn't have to necessarily involve superpowers, but it could just involve um, things like the Man in the High Castles become popular and televised now. Mm-hmm. There was uh, SSGB, I think it was called, a BBC drama recently. But just, do you know what? I got a lot more out of the uh, the trailer for it than actually watching any of the episodes. Because <laughs> uh, just the imagery, and you know what I mean? You've got like a, uh, I don't know, like the Hindenburg hovering over London or something like that and you mm-hmm. know the flags everywhere and the, the resistance and all this kind of stuff and the, the whole what ifs kind of thing about it that was all there and then they just got through standard tropes when they went into the TV series but I don't want mm-hmm. to turn this into a whole um, Mark Kermode section and what I thought about the TV series or anything like that but I think getting the what if situations into some gaming uh, there's tons of stuff in history I think we all know if you go back mm-hmm. and look at your favourite bit of it whatever it is and whichever country it's in there's loads of really cool stuff that's quite often a lot better than the alternative history that people write for role-playing games when they try and invent a world and write you 3,000 years of history in it in yeah. 500 pages that you just don't care about. Our own history and uh, different countries have got tons of stuff in there already. So if you can transplant our players into that, 
in an easy fashion so they don't have to read up on it to know what it's all about but just have the things I think that's great so yeah American Civil War if you were superheroes sort of thing but without all the superhero tropes with it for me I think it's just good to have people with um, fun or interesting powers rather than you know mm. I'm invulnerable to harm or you know I can regenerate or I've got adamantium claws or I can you know just teleport wherever I want to if it's just something more subtle, like I can shapeshift to an extent so I can change my features or turn into a rat so I can go and get information off the enemy and come back again or that kind of thing, mm. uh, just add little bits and give you that little bit of edge within the war setting, I think it'd be really cool. Or even, I think uh, it was Neil Smith who runs or has run the Milton Keynes uh, role-playing stuff. Uh, he sort of mentioned it'd be good if you were uh, looking after a talent, so the superheroes or NPCs. And you've got a cool. capricious guy like the, the Strange and Norrell novel where it's really briefly sort of skimmed over what Strange does in the war, but it's things like changing the weather patterns and sending fleets away and that kind of stuff. But what if you guys who have to look after him and he'd much rather be at home reading his books or he'd rather be whoring in Paris or something like that mm. and you've got to try and cover in, control, control him and keep away assassins and other people and that kind of stuff. I think, I think there's a whole lot of stuff there in our history if you just tweak it a little bit and add in magic powers or whatever you want to call them superpowers whatever you want, you'd like to say uh, I think there's, there's a bunch of stuff there and because it's based on our own history you've got the flavour and the stuff that you talked about earlier about you want apocalypse and you just want the, the core things of apocalypse I think you can do that really easily if you're using the real world stuff because you can just kind of go right, imagine American Civil War, imagine you're living in Greek times, you're a Spartan or something like that, hmm. you've immediately got people transported into the world it's then kind of what you do with it and tweak with it that makes it interesting. Yeah, and, and and as soon as you as soon as you drop the fact that you're working on an alternate history because someone can fly, which I don't think people normally can. Not I don't usually. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Not usually. As soon as you do that, you, you, you've turned off all of those people who are about to give you the whole history lecture about how they know what, what colour should have been on the backpack in that particular yeah, battle yeah, on a Wednesday yeah. afternoon because there's nothing that's put me off historical gaming in the past is not knowing my history well enough to be able to feel like I can contribute Yeah. whereas, yeah. I, whereas I know my uh, fantasy realities as well as anybody does because so, it's all made up so I always felt like I could um, just join in a bit more in those games so I, I always found history games slightly intimidating but an alt history game which just took it as a starting point I know enough to know that you know who won various wars and, and where the British Empire was at various points and who the Greeks were, that's probably enough. Yeah, Pick up yeah. a horrible histories book and, and that's your player's chapter. And after that, it's up for grabs, isn't it? I think so. And that, that's the kind of level to look at it as. Or, you know, if you like, I don't know, Spartacus the TV series was very much tongue-in-cheek and not really mm. that historical. But had good bits in it that were actually historically accurate, bizarrely. Yeah. There was little pieces. <laughs> and it's the same with Black Sails, which is like a pseudo-pirates TV show. But, you know, there's some detail in it that's absolutely historical accurate but as a broad brush there's loads of stuff that's just nowhere near because it's you know changing it all for drama and effect and making mm -hmm. it fun which is I think exactly the way to approach your games that you, you give it a broad brush of the, the thing you want to go for and just drop in little details if you've got them about history just to make it a bit more cool and interesting but don't, mm. don't be a slave to it for god's sake yeah no, good stuff, mate. Now, if you do anything with that, the fact it might have you know, something to do with superpowers and it will get me to the table. Mm. Um, and, and to be fair to comics, which I know you don't read many comics, and that's cool, man, but um, they always do this in comics. They're always going back into history. They're always um, kind of writing little snippets in there. Whenever they get a new author, a new writer, they love saying, like, you know, that because Logan's been around forever, what was he doing in the American Civil War? That kind of thing. It's... Um, 
there's all kinds of interesting spin-offs. Neil Gaiman did some amazing stuff for Marvel. I think the comics were called 1602. I may have the year wrong, but it was Elizabethan stuff. Yeah. Uh, with, with Sir Anthony of Stark and Dr. Stephen <laughs> of Strange. Yeah. Um, and that, that was really cool, mostly because it's Neil Gaiman, so I can't really get that wrong. But it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't all... Um, it wasn't spandex, and I know that's the theme that you recoil from more than anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you can take that bit out of it, then yeah, then superheroes should get shot with guns. Yeah, good stuff. So yeah, just um, and it, even if you don't have the powers, I think just playing in historical games, but without being a look at me showing off because I know so much about the Roman Empire. But yeah. you could play some Roman legionaries in the Teutoburg Forest just after the three legions got massacred. That sounds like a good setup for a game straight away, you know. And I think everybody knows enough about being a Roman legionary to think, like, okay, I've got to handle it. I know I've got this gladius, and I've got a sword. I know the Germans are all badass barbarians, and they're out to get me. Let's go, you know. You, I think there's other rich veins of role playing out there just in their own history that I want to explore over the coming months and years. But do you know what? I, I got most of my history knowledge, which is tiny, I got from role playing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can I can list twenty pole arms. Um, but That's a lot true. of historical stuff I got from role playing, and and weirdly enough, just to go on your Roman thing for a minute here, um, about the sort of age that I was really getting into role playing and superheroes. The third thing I was really getting into is Asterix, and yeah. I love Asterix with mm. such a passion. And I've got kids old enough to get into Asterix now, and they're brilliant. Um, and I learn everything I know about the Romans from them. Why isn't there an Asterix role playing game? Really, by now, people talk about why isn't there a Harry Potter one? I think Asterix needs to come first. Yeah, now you've said it, I think there might be one. But oh, is now, there? I might just be making that up because it feels like there should be. If you know, what should I mean. be. Of course, there should yeah. be. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? With the druid and vital statistics and magic potions and wild boar. Yeah, I mean, the game bloody writes itself. <laughs> it's, it's probably been done for one shots at conventions more than a few times. But there's um, you know, it's it's kind of an episodic thing where you've got like a, a very small party of two wandering around, with, essentially with superpowers. Yeah, brilliant. And um, and the Roman legionaries are all mooks, aren't they? And like in a feng shui yeah, kind of, of way. So, yeah, but there should be one of those. There you go. <laughs> Sold. Yeah, yeah. Try, try to Google it. I can't find one. So just right. assume there okay. is one. Right, uh, write in at thesmartparty at hotmail.com. Uh, tell, us, tell us where the Asterix role-playing game is, because if we can't find it in two seconds on the internet, it doesn't mean it isn't there. No, <laughs> it means we've got bored really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, right, what have I got cool. next? Okay, so yeah, um, I suppose riffing off the last thing we were just talking about, um, Blades in the Dark. Ooh, yes. We've had loads of mentions of Blades in the Dark over the last few casts, and I think, I think last time we spoke, we weren't playing Blades in the Dark, which we have been doing in the last couple of weeks. Indeed. So yeah. we got an expert GM <laughs> to come out of the woodwork and volunteer to run games for us and a couple of the other guys that we know. Uh, very very early days but but what what a good start um, mm. I had really really high hopes for Blades in the Dark from from its kickstart I really liked the premise I really liked the idea of so, uh, stuff that's based on lies of Locke Lamora a book by Scott Lynch Venice Thieves Guilds uh, Canals Poisons Heists all of that kind of stuff and we did uh, a cool little world burning session um we've got uh, a fellow who really knows his game really well and is able to pitch it in a, in a language that I can understand and we've d generated some characters off play sheets which were really really cool mm -hmm. um, and 
we're doing it over roll 20 and some genius out there has gone and put proper time into making it work online uh, oh, who God, knew yeah. I mean it's a pretty rules like kind of game but it is absolutely singing and dancing with the dice rolling and all that kind of stuff um, and I'm I'm really really excited about it it would be further up the list but we've only just got started with it and I, and I think that it's going to be a bit like um, Brian Adams it's going to be number one for 16 weeks so <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not like Brian Adams in other ways. Um, <laughs> everything I do, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, no, I, I agree. I, well, one of my other picks was monthly game. Oh, uh, so I'll just add another little aspect to that in that uh, we're going to play it monthly. I think, or maybe we're talking about biweekly, but for now it's monthly, and I think that's good. Mm. I'm down with that. In fact, I'm mm. up for a couple of monthly games and spread them out every two weeks. They alternate, but I think it's long enough that I get proper excited about when the next session is going to be. If you know what I mean? Yeah. It seems more and more these days, weekly games or even bi-weekly games seem to be that you know you almost become a chore, or it's hard to get everybody to turn up every week because of holidays mm-hmm. and whatever else. Um, but if it's monthly, you kind of you have a week or so afterwards of like still riffing off what just happened and thinking about it and coming up with ideas, and you have a bit of time off, and then you start to think like, I want to play again now. Like, I did, mm-hmm. when's the next session? Oh, it's another two weeks. And by the time it comes around, you're quite excited about playing, and I think that's something that you can sometimes miss from games that you get excited about them and you feel like they become too regular or you become you know passe because you're doing it every week and you know it's always coming around it doesn't matter if you miss one a monthly game seems quite exciting to me I don't know maybe Mm. I'll get fed up after a while but right now that makes it better rather than worse if you know what I mean yeah Uh, leave them wanting more Uh, that's that's basic entertainment right there isn't it Um, yeah and monthly works for a bunch of different stuff you know White Dwarf used to come out monthly so it's a good enough frequency for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Never run a data packs come out monthly so you know that's fine too it, it just seems to suit I, I don't think we can do weekly stuff and expect grown-ups to get together for four five six hours every single wednesday well you can ask but you know it just falls apart it more often happen, than it happens it? yeah so yeah so yeah it's um it's Ian McAllister a good friend of mine who's running it for us uh and why is he I might as well drop him a quick thing to say if you go to the to giantbrain.co.uk that's where his uh, game design play and critique blog is. So he's doing a little bit of a thing at the minute about previewing UK Games Expo. He's got a couple of games he's produced and things like that. So uh, definitely check out Ian's stuff because um, apart from anything else, we're glad that we've got an expert GM on Blaze to, to give us a proper run through. But he's got some good thoughts and ideas on games and produced a couple himself. So it's well worth mm. checking out and having a bit of a look. Mm. Give him a bit of support. Yeah, well done, Ian. More to come on that one. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll we'll probably maybe we'll release a bit of actual play if we can figure out the technology. We'll yeah. certainly return to it as a subject, won't we? I think so, definitely. Cool. So, um, yeah, another another pick from me, maybe. Yep. I think one of the other things I'm mentioning Seven Hills a lot. I'm going to mention it again, but one of the games I'm going to run for that is uh, Cthulhu Invictus. So that's uh, Roman times Cthulhu, basically. And it is that kind of uh, Teutoburg forest with the German barbarians all kind of thing mixed in as well. But And a bit of all history. But I think Cthulhu's got, um, Cthulhu's got some legs still. I know it's not your favourite game necessarily, but then, you know, superheroes aren't mine. Yeah. Uh, we've all got our favourites. Um, but I think the new 7th edition rules are great. I've mentioned this many times. And I think the community in general, if you look at the forums and stuff like that, are starting to come online with it now and think that this is the standard. I know there's an initial bit of reluctance from people to embrace change, but 
you know, most people have got on with it and, and can see the benefit of new rules and that sort of stuff. Um, so it's definitely a better system than the old BRP for me. Uh, and more flexibility gives you more action and stuff happening in game. Uh, and I think it's a, a lot better engine than it was. But one of the tired things I give about Cthulhu is a lot of people, certainly of our generation, have played it for 30 years on and mm. off. So that kind of 1920s trope, which was really interesting when I first got into role playing, has kind of worn off a little bit now. The sort of prohibition era and gangsters and all that, it's a nice genre and I love it, but I've played it quite a lot. So finding different settings for it, uh, but adding the element of uh, something like the mythos or just having weird and wonderful things happen and making it a bit alt history almost, I think is really good. So I'm really looking forward to running and playing a bit more Cthulhu. It does require getting into it a little bit more, but. Um, one of the good things that came out of the Kickstarter was a set of cards with different uh, insanities on. Mm-hmm. So there's that sort of element. You've got tools of that where you can give people different insanities when they fail the sanity checks and all that kind of stuff that actually have um, some value or interest in them. I know it's obviously a sensitive topic, mental health, but for the purposes of the game, having something that's not just people go mad and act crazy, in inverted commas, in a cartoon kind of way, I think's another good aspect that's been too long ignored in Cthulhu so I think there's a lot of aspects in the old Cthulhu that have had a bit of a shine with the rules there's different settings that you can use in a coming out Cthulhu Invictus has been kickstarted again recently and then there's the aspects of it like the sort of the, the cosmic horror of the insanity that should probably get more of a forefront than have done in the past and be explored a bit more deeply so I'm a bit more interested in that kind of stuff at the minute as well hmm yeah cool um cool Cthulhu I'll come back to you on that one, mate, because okay. I've got some Cthulhu stuff in my list too. So, Ooh. yeah, but but I'm excited that you're excited about it. Mm. I th- it's definitely <laughs> it, it never stops having legs or tentacles, does it? <laughs> <laughs> He's coming back to haunt us. It's the longest running gag in gaming. <laughs> um, I, but I, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down a side avenue, one you've been down before. Um, and as you move down it 10 foot at a time tapping on the floor with your 10 foot pole you will be asked to make uh, wandering monster checks so I hope you've got your torch handy Uh, I can't get myself out of the damned hellhole that is the OSR really? I'm still just up to me tits in it my my inflection uh, might have given away more than (laughs) 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 come on Baz get over it (laughs) I'm trying no, come on. What's what's good about it then? What's still holding you in that uh, topic? So it, it, it's got loads of really cool, super simple, but super evocative, inventive, creative stuff that's happening in it. Um, and it is literally reinventing the wheel. And, and I still have my internet feeds full of stuff that at least raises an eyebrow. Um, never takes me much in the way of time or money, but it's just so chock full of ideas. People are just vomiting out really good creative stuff. I've um, I've signed up to run some old school games at a convention, which is in a couple of weeks as we record this towards the end of April, and um, I've been sort of casting about for for some ideas for what to do with it, and and there are so many adventures and so many scenarios, and there are just really really good quality. So uh, I'm sure most people have heard of this. If you haven't already, look up tenfootpole.org, um, which is a website run by Bryce Lynch. And his job is to review old school adventures. It sounds as dull as dishwater, I know. But he <laughs> he's not shy about telling people where people went wrong. So <laughs> props to you, Bryce, for that. Um, 
really well well written stuff um and i think his line is i read this stuff so that you don't have to uh because probably 95 percent of the stuff that he reviews just gets cut to ribbons because it's it's not up to spec right. however that still leaves five percent of an astonishing amount of output from the osr community which is golden mm. um and he keeps a little list of his favorite stuff and and every now and again, when I've got a, a you know a dull moment at work or I need to pass half an hour, I'll download one of the things that he recommends, and it's usually two or three pages long. It looks like it's made out of Letraset and photostatting in a student union bar, circa nineteen eighty four. Some of that's all put on. Yeah. You know, some of it's yeah. just we want to stylize it to make it look like old stuff, um, but often it isn't. And it's always got amazing little adventures and little hooks, and you just desperate to sit down at a table opposite a few people and and utter the opening lines in it and then see what happens there it's just full of cool um two three pages at most so it never never like clogs up your, your mental space um the, the the most difficult bit is trying to pick an old school system to go with and they're all blending into one another now anyway so i need yeah. to stop buying those and just start running some games and I'm always about two minutes away from pulling the trigger and just going, oh, I'm just going to go onto Google Hangouts, see if anyone fancies playing a game, and let's just see what happens. Yeah. Um, and much like when we played Into the Odd, which seems like ages ago now, that is still going on. There's loads more stuff from those authors. There's loads more stuff from, uh, I would recommend, Dungeon of Signs, um, which is a great website. And and the guy who, who organises that is just punting out stuff which is as good as anything you'll see in a professionally published, and it's free and there's there's weeks and months and years of gaming in there for nothing which is just it blows your mind to read it i can't believe it wouldn't be good to play it right so i'll keep wanting to do it um and i don't know what stops me so i i tend to end up going back to fifth edition D D or the classics as you were saying about call of cthulhu that kind of stuff there's still a, an urge to want to play what's officially sanctioned and, and that's yeah. from players as well i think out there in the community yeah, um, but that old school stuff. Wow, man, it's um, it's good. Okay, yeah, and I, I don't don't disagree necessarily. I think you're right. I think you found the the right angle on it, and that there's someone there who's got his colander out and sieving it for you. Mm. So you miss out um, a lot of the. Don't want to say dross, but <laughs> there's a lot of variable yeah, stuff out there, isn't there? And there's a lot of things that are someone's written it for themselves, and that's the beauty of the OSI that you can write the game you want to play. Well, that doesn't mean it's necessarily right for anybody else. Yeah. Um, so to have someone who's filtering a little bit and gone like, these are the quality versions of things that are produced that other people probably have more access to or be happier to have access to, that probably helps a little bit. Because uh, you can get a bit snob line to it, can't you, when you're just inundated with different things. If you join any of the OSR communities on G+, or anything like that, there's just information after information being dumped in your direction. And trying to pick out the bits of gold in that stream that's coming at you can be, can be a little bit tough. But yeah, there's there's definitely good stuff out there. So if you can pick it out, then then why not? But yeah, I, I think I'd be leaning more towards playing D and D fifth and using mm. that rather than necessarily playing this game. But I mean, it doesn't matter. No, well, it, yeah, it doesn't matter unless you want to get all kind of like deeply religious about it or, or tribal at least. Because yeah. there's uh, the OSR has still got a community which is quite shouty and uh, and quite divisive unfortunately it just does and or, or at least that's the, that's the public face of it because there's a massive contradiction at the heart of the osr the osr is producing so much content i can't keep up with it 
but truly old school stuff back when I was 11 and there was no old school or new school there was just school you <laughs> would have to write your own stuff because there wasn't anything else to get you either couldn't afford it or it was impossible to get or it was so infrequent you didn't bother anyway yeah. so the contradiction there is that if you're really old school shouldn't you just be writing your own stuff and playing in your own campaign and generating new hexes and graph paper every week for your group Yeah. which as we've discussed before I imagine many people are they're just not shouting about it on the internet quite right yeah yeah no nope, that's fair enough and i guess the, the other pick that i got on my list uh was uh savage worlds actually is what i'm, I'm interested in again really yeah <laughs> because well there's a couple of aspects to it one of them is something i think right. i've mind about before uh that when i run it uh, at conventions quite often i'm running it as a new game for someone there's always at least one person at the table who's not played it before so we kind of have to go at the basic level and I'd really like to play it uh, using all the bells and whistles and all the mm-hmm. features that are there that I think makes it good rather than just rolling a d8 and a d6 which seems the same as Cortex Plus or any other system uh, I'd like to use all the different features that make it worthwhile and like you, we were discussing before about the initiative system and being able to get your initiative right so you can do your speedball special or whatever it is equally in Savage Worlds if you look at where the initiative cards are and whether you should do a trick or a taunt or a you know, something else to help your mate out. I think all that is where it really sort of sings. So I'd really like to get more of that done. And, and happily in August uh, at, uh, at Sheffield again, the famous garrison where uh, Seven Hills of Furnace already take place, someone's uh, doing Shakon, as in uh, Shakon is a mechanic within Savage Worlds. And it's going to be a little weekend that's just Savage Worlds games. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Well, we'll just get to play some Savage and hopefully we've got a lot of players there who are into the thing that the, the convention's about, although there will be some new people presumably who want to try it out, but it'd be good to get some proper Savage Worlds action, if you know what I mean, and try all the different nooks and crannies of the rule system rule, rule system, sorry, that don't really get a run out that often or perhaps aren't used as widely. So that'd be good. And then the other aspect of it is there's lots of settings seem to be coming out again recently. It did go quiet for a while but Rifts has been out. Uh, I've not picked that up yet, but uh, Rifts was a game that sort of passed me by because Palladium always seemed a bit rubbish. Uh, mm. But that's potentially something I'd like trying. There's a new one kickstarting called Fear Agent, I think, which is a Dark mm. Horse comic, which I've not got a great knowledge of. But just from looking at the pictures, it looks like a pulpy sort of game that I'd like to play, and Savage is great for pulpy sort of games. So that's got me interested. And then there's other sort of third-party people who are producing their own content as well. So I think Savage is having a little bit of a resurgence, certainly with the amount of content and, and variety that's coming through. So I'm definitely keen to give some more of that a go. But again, uh, kind of what I want is that expert GM to run a game for me because quite often when I play Savage, it's me who has to run the game. So seeing other people sort of pick it up and run with it is quite exciting for me because I might get a chance to play a few games rather than have to run them. So while you were chatting, I thought I'd, I'd Google it because I was about to make a pithy comment and say, do you feel like you've just been demoing the game for 10 years at conventions? <laughs> Which is probably where I think you're coming from. you know? Yeah. But and then, I, so I thought I'd look up the publication date. It was two thousand and three. Savage came out. Oh, yeah. Which, oh my god, now I feel old. And 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 you and I were playing it before it was out. I mean, we yeah, were in right from the off, it, weren't yeah. we? Yeah. So, so we're we're getting on for twenty years. Well, fifteen. Um, we're getting on for a lot of years uh, of Savage Worlds. And um, yeah, it seems to have taken a long time to get its own dedicated convention because it's um. It's, it's never really gone away even when it's been a bit or felt a bit fallow like you say 
you still you 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 can fall over a Savage Worlds player pretty easily, can't you? And yeah. there's never any effort to get players for it if you want to do it as a one shot. It's it's almost like the king of one shot games. But I get your feeling that the one shot games are often down like the shallow end of the pool. Yeah, a little bit. And it does it does mm. suffer. And a few people mentioned this recently that he hasn't perhaps got the longevity of some of the games. So your D and Ds, however, we can go to level twenty or whatever. That there's definitely more. You know, there's more scalability to it. Savage mm. does get to a point once you've got past legendary rank that there's not that much change to your character and people start having the same edges and it all gets a bit same and doesn't really scale that well necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to get to the, the opportunity to get to that point, frankly. Because <laughs> <you don't>, <laughs> the trouble <laughs> is playing at conventions, you always play down the shallow end of the pool and you play one or two games. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, Are plot points still a thing? Plot point campaigns? Because it's been a while since I've been properly in with Pinnacle and stuff. But they do. Because they, those were long scenarios, weren't they? Yeah, they do exist. Um, I don't. I've not found a good one since 50 Fathoms, which is the first wow. one that we come to. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there and let people uh, on the internet argue with me or tell me why I'm wrong or point me to a good one because I'd love to read some more. Um, but yeah, the the ones I've I've read since, even the official pinnacle ones, are really sort of uh, they do feel like just one-off encounters that have been strung together. They don't feel like there's an arc running through them or a, a goal we're getting to. I think that first structure they did in Fifty Fathoms with the sort of eight-piece arcing scene in the background and loads of the savage tales at the front to kind of dress it up so you couldn't tell where the real adventure was or where the real big story was necessarily. It kind mm. of got fed in as you went along. It had a really great structure and feel to it. Although it wasn't that... It's quite lightweight, relatively speaking, but it had a good feel to it. Um, or something, actually. Like, let's mention Earth Dawn because we haven't done that for a while. But there's <laughs> Prelude to War was a, a book that came out for that, which was a campaign, arguably, but again it's fairly lightweight structure but it's like here's some big events that are going to happen in the game world and then you fill in other stuff to sort of like make it flow a bit better kind of thing but here's mm. just the grand sweeping idea for you and what's going to happen ultimately uh, and I'm missing that a lot of the plot points uh, adventures seem to be kind of like oh here's the big baddie here's some times where the big baddie shows up and then here's some other random one shot encounters I'm just throwing you away which don't necessarily mm. narratively fit in with the rest of the story that's going on uh, and certainly like one of the more recent Deadlands ones I read started out with uh, the fall of a big city that got, you know, there's a big war and all the rest of it and the players part of that is um, you're sort of 20 miles away and watch it happen and I was like, what? What the actual F pinnacle games? Like if mm. there's a war going on, I want my characters right in the middle of it and preferably pulling a lever that either starts or ends it. Uh, you know, I don't want them sat on a mountainside on a railway watching this war happen with it, and they have no influence or impact on it. That's just rubbish. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, yeah, the, the more recent things I've seen, or everything since Fifty Fathoms, has either been a pale shadow and it's not got that structure behind it, or doesn't feel like it's been written in a good way that gets me excited or gives mm. me the framework I want, or it has things happen that are supposed to be big and exciting, but doesn't give my players the opportunity to be part of that or have fed into the events that then ultimately lead to what the conclusion. That's shocking. So that's not good at all. I know, I the idea them. of plot points. I, lo- I love yeah. the idea of plot points, and they just sounded like good things to me. And I, I ran Fifty Fathoms back in two thousand and three, <laughs> and it was really good. So I was kind of thinking that in the intervening fourteen, fifteen years, they might have like repeated that formula with a couple. I bought a few books way back when, but I, th- I assumed they'd polished it up nicely because they've reissued the Savage World book a few times and tightened that up. And there's an awful lot of activity going on. Um, and Last Parsec was the last thing that got me intrigued and that looked like a very different kind of thing indeed 
So as, as plot points, have they faded away, you think? Or have they just given up on the idea? Or are they still, still flogging at dead horse? Yeah, oh, right. I started reading some of the last Parsec ones, but I wasn't... They feel... Um, I mean, it reminds me of me being cynical. Uh, <laughs> I've not played through too many of them. And there's probably loads I haven't read, to be fair. I've not read every single plot point campaign there is. So the, please feel free to tell me, Internet, if there's some good ones that I've missed. Mm. Um, but yeah, like the last Parsec ones, I read through the start of one of them, and it just seemed to be... Um, Again, it feels a little bit out of control. It's like stuff happens. Your players have no control of it. Here's just a scene they're in, and then haha! But the bad guy was screwing you up all along, and there's nothing you can do about it, or even see that it was going to happen. And it doesn't feel like there's involvement for my players. I understand it's difficult right. if you're writing an adventure for somebody else's party at home and don't know how they play or all the rest of it. But it did feel a little bit too much like the secrets happening, but it will get revealed to people. But me as my gaming group aren't involved in it yet. And it felt a little bit too old school in terms of the gem knows all this stuff that he can laugh about behind his gem screen and the players won't find out about it until later. Which didn't feel very satisfying based on how I'm used to playing these days. Yeah, pretty trad. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked was because that's that's where the um the lengthy campaign stuff came from. You know, that was from what I remember of Fifty Fathoms, I think we played that for a good six months of real time and I think we accelerated through a lot of it. We didn't just explore every side nook and alley. Mm. So there was there was plenty of game in that and I think we ended up kind of fairly tasty at the end of it. It was world spanning epic. Yeah. But, you know, if that's if that's not been um readily available for a long time, then maybe that's where Savage has got its well, it's rep amongst us two from yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want to speak for everybody else. So Savage fans, tell us how wrong we've got it and that you've been playing in a in a 1920s gangbusters campaign for the last 15 years that would be great yeah, I'd love it yeah I'll join in <laughs> <laughs> point me at it now, uh, yeah, well, a segue right so um, my number one the thing I've got the biggest Jones for at the minute the thing I'm most into and up to is um, the best uh, HP Lovecraft role playing game I've played in in Donkey Jizz which is <laughs> I know where this is going <laughs> Which is presented through the medium of a GMless RPG. <laughs> <laughs> has it got a card based resolution mechanic or any chance? It has. How indie can you get, right? <laughs> I mean, who knew when I sat down to play this indie role playing game it was going to be that indie? So, of late, I have been playing Arkham Horror, the living card game, uh, by Fantasy Flight, who know their stuff when it comes to taking my money. <laughs> they just keep doing it and they know their stuff to be fair when it comes to doing HP Lovecraft based games that are not role playing games uh, they they seem to have uh, you couldn't say cornered the market but non-Euclidean geometried the market <laughs> in, in every way that is not done by Chaosium or Pelgrane so um, and I'm not the biggest fan of Cthulhu RPGs in the first place but Arkham Horror and the imagery and the way the game plays out and being an investigator in the 1920s and facing unspeakable horrors and, and and losing a game but never being so happy to have lost it in a certain way. Yeah. That's the the essence of, of what people get out of Call of Cthulhu games, I guess, and I've never really managed to get it from that medium. I am getting in spades out of the Arkham Horror card game. And I, and I bring it to the to the attention of, our, of both our listeners because it's a role-playing game. By almost any definition, it's a role-playing game. It's it's crunchier than some of the lighter role-playing games I've played. It's got no traditional GM, but that doesn't seem to be 
standing in the way of a role-playing game these days either and actually there is someone who always steps up who's like the lead who reads out all of the bits of flavor text and kind of suggests what's going on and and brings the bloody box round for us to play and that's that's as much gming as anything else um and we get through you know actual story and when we take actions in the game with our investigators we're not just looking at the numbers on the sheet as, or you know no more than you would do in any other game we're making decisions based on like who's where who's capable what would be interesting um what does that mean when we pull that card and the really clever bit about the game is despite it being quite random there's there's quite a lot of luck involved it really feels like every card that's turned was designed to be the next one that should be turned there's no there's no weird occurrences we go how the hell did that happen what's that doing in my basement it's it's really <laughs> natural and organic yeah uh, I love it. I think it's a great game. Um, our mate Ian, who you mentioned earlier, he's um, he's a he's a big advocate of it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing as well. It's glorious. It looks lovely. Yeah, no, I, agree. I think I mentioned it a couple of casts ago, didn't I? Because we were getting into mm. that. Yeah, I totally agree with all you said. And I think in um, in a way, it suffers from the same problems that an RPG can do. In that the mm-hmm. last session we played, there's obviously I'm I'm. Just adding roleplay elements all the time because that's how I approach yeah. Settles of Katana or any other game we play. And um, the the guy running the shop was sort of like, I want to record this and like post it up as like a, the way you should play the game. And it's like, well, I'm just doing what I do naturally and roleplaying it because you know <laughs> it's essentially a roleplay yeah. game. Uh, but we've got one guy who was just you know he's just playing it as I don't know a game of whatever checkers or something like that or drafts or whatever you call it. And he was going like, oh yeah, I'll, mm. I'll get a plus three and I'll do this and I'll do that and uh, making some. Uh, not like Monty Python jokes, but that kind of you know all the asides all the time and really taking yeah. it out of the experience of what you're doing. So that that took away from me. I don't think he cared one way or the other. But I think you get uh, certainly get more out of it if you role play it. If you all add a little bit of your element and give yourselves a bit of character based on that card you've mm-hmm. got in front of you, whether you've got the like old crusty library, you know, you've got whatever the ex convict or this that and the other. If you add a little bit to it, I think as you say mechanically, it's perfectly sound. It's really well designed. Mm. Um, so as you as players if you all chuck in your role playing chops on top of it I think you've got a really neat little game and no one needs to volunteer to GM either it just all runs itself yeah yeah. It, it's a really really clever little thing um, and I know that there's a million different ways to play out HP Lovecraft stories from board games to card games to plushies to everything else um, and they don't always hit the mark but this is this one does for me this one really really it, it hits all the right beats um, and I'm I'm just not going to get to sit down and play Trail of Cthulhu um, or the Eternal Lies campaign or all the other things that are sitting on the shelf that are waiting to go. They they ain't going to happen. Um, but Arkham Horror is, um, and for the investment, I think you get an awful lot of nice kit too, and and a really good experience for a few hours, which is more than I've had from some dodgy con games <laughs> of of whatever system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know the, the bloke who wants to keep dropping in the Monty Python jokes is going to show up at. That any of my D and D games, and, and you know, that's you, c- you can't do much. You can't legislate for that. Quite. But it doesn't. It doesn't break. It doesn't break the game hmm. for those guys who do want to do want to flavor it up a bit. And it and it's full of flavor. And the the core set has got enough in there. I've played that more than I've played a lot of the books I've bought. So I've got my money's worth already. And all the expansions, which look like it's just a big money sink, well, it's no more of a money sink than any other game I've ever bought. And and if it's going to get played, then what's the problem? 
yeah, definitely. So I've justified it. So I've absolutely justified it to myself that this is role playing time, even though it's me and my mates and some cards. Yeah, it definitely is. And it, it's pulled some of those situations which you don't, you do see in role play quite often, but sometimes don't. I think it, it leads to some of that stuff, which which amused me. I think not all the guys around the table were a role player. Um, so they perhaps didn't see it the same way I did. But there was a bit like the, the final boss battle in this game. Uh, and one guy was just hiding out in the parlor and wouldn't come to the location where the big body was. And we're like, we need help. We're all going to die. Mm. And there's a nice little bit there where there's just some guy hiding in another room who won't come out because there's a big monster there. And we're like, <laughs> we're all going to die if you don't. And he's like, I'm still, yeah. if I come out there, he's going to get me. I'm going to stay behind this chair hiding. And little bits like that that really sort of worked out. And someone sacrificed themselves because they knew they were going to die. But if we if we didn't get the help, yeah. then we we're probably all going to die. So he ended up sacrificing himself. And really good moments like that that you get from the best role playing sessions. And to get them out of a card game of all things, that's uh, that's really good stuff. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So that's that's my top Jones, mate. What's your top Jones for the week? Oh God, I spent all mine. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Everything. That's all me done. Um, so uh, I think it's getting back into some convention gaming is is probably the big thing I'm excited right now because I've got. Mm. Seven Hills is coming up in about three weeks. Uh, there's Condemned in June, start of June, which is in Holland. Nice little role playing convention. You should look up on the internet if you've not heard of it. Uh, there's the August Shercons coming up. Uh, they're starting to announce things for the Kraken in Germany again. Uh, and I'm sure there's lots of other bits and pieces in between and odd role playing days and game days and, and stuff like that in Birmingham and Leeds and all there, thereabouts. So, quite excited to actually get out and get some gaming with other fresh people again, you know, meet some old friends. Uh, and see some new ones and uh, you know just get a bit of gaming and a bit of variety cool uh, and similar from me as well me, me, me five things I'm jonesing about could easily have been a list of 20 mm. so there's there's loads of stuff that's bubbling away at the minute really interested in, in new releases old favourites getting out there for conventions writing up new bits and pieces just checking stuff out so as engaged as ever which is, you know bodes well so you know the rest of the, rest of the 2017 is looking pretty tight uh podcast looking good i think we hit 50 episodes next time my friend Exciting. 50 that's, oh, yeah that's nearly your age that's <laughs> that's nearly a full working week in hours <laughs> i'm listening to two old men ram- grumble yeah nearly my age shut up uh okay so well without further ado let, let's scamper on towards episode 50 and in the meantime ask uh, our listener to please send us emails at thesmartparty at hotmail.com look us up on Patreon for the price of a Starbucks every month you get this stuff delivered to you at the same time as everybody else does but with shout outs uh, which would be worth its weight in gold but we need the money for web hosting so please send us your coins um, or look us up on forums and social media of your choice because we're everywhere that games are talked about anything from you guys? Nope Good to be back. Glad to have a nice break and holiday, but looking forward to getting more gaming and talking more gaming with you and uh, obviously hearing from our loyal listener, Stroke Listeners. <laughs> See you next time, guys. Cheers, Bye.